Hello, long time no see. DP World Tour Picks and Bets is back on Mayo Media Network. Skylar Hoke here with my man Tom Jacobs. Tom, how you doing? Good, Sky. It's, um, you know, I, I kind of wish that we were back under better circumstances. It feels like another rough event. I'm not going to lie to the people. Um, start of a decent doubleheader though in Spain. I think next week's course is going to be a little bit more enjoyable. But uh, the information is sparse out there for this one um, and conflicting as well. So it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting week for sure. Well, we do have some positive news since we last spoke. You know, you, you've had your holiday over here to the States. Are we considering you working on the other side as well? Because you're on the official odds checker team. So are you seeing all these terrible bets that I'm placing or what's going on? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get to, uh, to track them, but I can certainly see where, uh, where, where the majority are. So hopefully uh, we're, we're not influencing two people too much uh, on the wrong side. Hopefully there's not too many Oliver Wilson and Guido Migliozzi bets uh, this week. Yeah, that, that, that second name, you know, you mentioned that Guido. I mean, the moment we had at that Thursday in Augusta will forever hold up. I mean, I have a sign being printed in, in my office here. It's going to say minus two through five Guido Migliozzi solo leader picture of Chris Vernon right next to him yelling Guido is my hero you know I mean that's that's really what it's all about we had that six hole stretch where green jacket was was in play um, but we can now take a pass and let him enjoy the rest of the season um, you know as we had our glory moment we can focus on hopefully some other picks like you mentioned it's been tough for us so far in the DP world to uh, you know and just overall I don't feel like we're, we're, you know, just researching wrong or doing anything. It's not that the picks really are that bad. It's just been, you know, in and out with the schedule, you know, a lot of lower class fields variance to the max. Um, and we just hopefully stick to that approach and, and can find some places and winners as we move forward here. I think the problem is, is like every time we get a new event, it's like a little off season we've had in between. Right. I mean, it's like we, we everyone that's been out of form for a little bit just recently has probably had a few weeks to put it right. Uh, they've been out of form because they've been playing in South Africa. Maybe they play a little bit, you know, in the continents of Europe this time. Um, I don't know what to think, Sky. Like, you know, I'd, I'd love to come on here and give the people, uh, you know, really solid information and, and tell everyone that I know exactly what I'm doing. Um, and, you know, we do. There, there, there's obviously a, an element of research which we'll come on to as we go along. But um, I, I do feel like it's a week to, to stay thin on the bets um and just kind of assess where we are because i think there's gonna be a lot of players that come out of a real bad slump and and put it right this week ahead of uh pj Catalonia next week as well yep 100 i mean this is the the second event since or i guess the first event since the match play week if we just put ourselves in that bubble so it's been you know close to a month here for almost everybody in the field so uh but without further ado we'll come in with some energy we're ready to rock it still we're going to be playing at the lakes course in tarragona spain um has not held an official event here um but we do have some previous q school um that was played at this course sam horsefield was the winner of q school there um looks like we you know potentially thought or or could still have kind of a pitch and putt it's a shorter course um, with a majority of that length coming in like one or two of the par fours. Um, there's only two par fives um, and actually both of them are in the three closing holes. I kind of like that. I think that's a little bit unique. You know, you could see somebody really go low to close um, and kind of make things interesting. So any insight uh, on your end for the course? 
Yeah, so I spoke to, to Charlie Ford, who comes on the Lost for Words podcast occasionally. He was second to Sam Horsfield that year um, in Q school. And, and he basically said to me that, you know, if it's anything like when he played there, it suits longer hitters. He said there's only a handful of tough holes, uh, 4th, 12th and 15th, he said. I think it was the second hole maybe that I've read recently that, that they've actually adjusted it to a really long par four as well. So I'm guessing that might come uh, into that play as well. And then we, as as we got the information, we, we, we kind of thought that was you know where we were going to go, kind of long hitters, drive all par fours. And then shortly after, an hour or so after, he gets a little bit further information from uh, from one of the caddies on site um, that suggests that it is actually playing firm and fast and there is some rough up. So that would kind of equalise the field a little bit. So I still think it's going to be, I think I personally think it'd be similar to like Raz Alkheimer and, and, and those two weeks there where, you know, you, you're going to get 20 under, 24 under, whatever it was between Hoygaard and Fox uh, for a winning score. It just might be that the short hitters can do better than we previously thought in that hour span. <laughs> um, you know, I asked for any sort of correlating courses and, and there wasn't particularly, it could be Czech Masters and Portugal Masters were two that kind of flashed up. Um, that certainly ticks a good box for one of the guys that I've put up this week. So, um, yeah, it, there's a lot of water in play, but it's not a problem. You can just bail out away from it. Um, you know, being called the late course, I was kind of waiting for double bogeys everywhere. Um and, you know, our picks will probably be able to find it, um, you know, even if it is out of play. But, uh, yeah, I, I think I think that's as much information as we're going to get this week. I think until you play the first round. Then once you've played the first round, you can kind of assess, maybe even save yourself for some in-play stuff if you like as well. Um, but I've just kind of gone with guys that I've been pretty confident with in recent weeks. I know you have as well, looking at your card. Uh, and I think there's a couple of variants plays as well. Yeah. Um, we'll dive right into the top of the board. Um, you know, Rasmus Hoygaard is our current 18 to one favorite looking at the uh, shortest odds um, across the States here. Rasmus did show out um, on the PGA tour in his two events. There I actually thought he had a chance to get into Augusta when he was in the mix Sunday at the Valero would have been fun for Rasmus there. Uh, you get burned back playing Arnas and then um, Nikolai Hoygaard 28 to one. Those are the four golfers under 30. Any of them uh, you fancy? Yeah, so I've, this is really strange for me, but I've gone with two, and, I, and I've gone with Adrian Nelson, I've gone with Nikolai Hoygaard, and obviously Rasmus is, like you said there, has is, is been in great form, right, and and Nikolai is, is lagging behind, he's four miscuts recently, but they've all been on the PJ Tour, right, you know, Corrales, Honda, uh, Bayhill, and one other, and, you know, we, we kind of, we preempted it before it happened, right, that he was going to struggle over there. Uh, probably not the best setups. And I just think that he's just going to come back and he's just going to play like he did uh, in those Razzle Kaima uh, classic and, and the other event, the Razzle Kaima one there as well. Adrian Alves just kind of feels like he's got to win at some point. Like I, I've been speaking about sort of Shane Lowry recently and having to take advantage of this narrow window and he didn't yesterday. But I think uh, Alves is the same, third, ninth, eighth and second in four of his last five starts. It's got to happen for him, right? And I know he lost in the playoff two starts ago, so not necessarily... Um, you know, a typical giving it away type thing. That's a couple of playoff losses now for Arnaus. And I just think that a course where he's not going to have to think too much, I don't think. I think, you know, it's going to be pretty obvious. It's all going to be in front of you, just flicking wedges if you're in the fairway. I think that'll suit Arnaus as well. So I'm basing Hoygaard on what he did, you know, at, at those sort of simple layouts at, at the Razal Karma Classic. And and uh, I think Arnaus comes close to it as well. Yeah, it's just so interesting with Nikolai, and it's almost what you you like to see with the upside that we know is there. Of course, two wins, you know, in his last I think fifteen events, he literally only has one made cut on the season, and it is that victory 
And it's wild. I mean, in that second Razal Khan event, he was one of the better, if not the best ball striker and still yet missed the cut. So we, we just know the realm of outcomes is, is so high. I mean, before that, he finished the year with second and fourth. So it's just you probably get a little more in the odds because there's zero shock if he misses the cut when, you know, Rasmus hasn't, you know, cracked through yet this year been short but only missed one cut so interesting um they're definitely a different approach from us and I, i've kind of almost you know felt that way in the pga tour a little bit just you know you have to be comfortable with guys at this range and with the ends of this field that we're getting it, it absolutely makes sense of course um I, I did dip a little bit deeper i'm gonna go more into the mid-range for me and it's really because of a couple of reasons when I look at these uh, these two, I guess, almost three golfers as, as we loop them together. Um, two of them off the jump, though, recent form. And, and by recent, it's they actually played over the last two weeks, Weeks, three, four, you know, where you have these guys playing in Asia, playing well and having the ability to carry in some form. The first one there is John Kaplan. I've always thought highly of Catlin as, as both of us did, um, you know, last year when he had his victory and kind of kept hot um, in, in throughout the summer. Um, you know, he does have eight OWGR wins to his name, you know, one, at least one event the previous four years, including three of them in 18 as he built up to uh, the DP world tour. But, you know, there's just enough in his pedigree that I think he has. And then at the last event that they played, which was the mixed cup, where um, the 15-year-old Rachanan, uh, see if I can pronounce it, Chananawan, that was good. That was good. And well, I'm going to um, go with so. Yeah, 15-year-old <laughs> won that event. Unbelievable. That, um, that was crazy, right? I mean, I, I wish we could focus more on that. And, you know, it's going to be a slightly short show today, but that was that was phenomenal. And it was, um, you know, one of the other younger guys that we've been looking out of that he, that he picked to the post. And he was only 19, isn't he? So, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's a young person's game now. Yep. So in that event, Catlin shot the round of the day on Saturday, 66, and then he shot 67 on Sunday, which was one of the better rounds of the day as well. So you have him tying for the best weekend score there. So again, that event was two weeks ago. He's been kind of warming up in some of those events. So I I like that enough at 55 to one. Um, And then pairing that with arguably the Scotty Scheffler of the Asian tour right now, and that's Schwan Kim. Schwan comes in with another victory, his second one in four events. It was the stable for event. So he like opened uh, with a 61, I believe, and a true score. And then on on Saturday had another one after he shot like 78 on Friday. But he scored enough birdies and eagles in that event to be able to win Stableford. But I just like somebody playing. I like somebody playing very well in those events. We know the top tier talent is still pretty decent, in my opinion, very comparable in some ways to, to the top or at least mid-class of, of these type of events. So Schwan knows how to birdie. He can go low um, and hopefully he can continue that over. And 60 to one, I expect way lower than that, truthfully. And I think he opened quite a bit lower. So some spots have him uh, decently long. So I'll, I'll pair those two who are playing right now at 55 and 60 to one. Yeah, so Sean Kim, well, I think he opened up at kind of like 35 to 1 over here. And when I saw that, I was kind of like, I'm just not going to fall in what I consider that to be a little bit of a trap. But the 60s one is a completely different ball game. Uh, that's probably the price you want to see. And, and definitely you can take advantage of that. The only slight concern I have with him is it's been a long time since he took advantage on this stage, right? You know, he's had some decent form um, on the DP World Tour in the past. Hero India and Open, he was third. Um, Scandinavian Agitation, fifth. 
China 11th, but they were like back in 2018 when he, he was obviously playing quite well as again as well. So maybe that, that's just going to be a resurgence. I think it's, I think like uh, everybody else, he's just struggling with the the schedules, right? You know, he's playing where he can on the Asian tour consistently, but just can't, you know, if, if he could make a real run of European tour events like they were back in the past, you know, uh, you know, ever since it's been a DP World Tour where we thought there was going to be a load of benefit, it actually seems to have been uh, some problems, right? So um, I think he's one of the people that have lost out there. John Catlin, uh, another one of his, I think, you know, talking back to the firm and fast, helping out some of the shorts as his, is that be huge for him, right? Because I think that yep. if there is going to be any trouble in the rough, um, you know, he's great at getting up and down. Um, he's going to make par on those tougher holes that everyone might, you know, make some costly bogeys or doubles on. Um, and he can score on a par fives, uh, you know, when they're there to be had. Yep. And, and that's basically those two selections are, we appreciate Charlie's insight because I think it's going to be helpful when we get kind of narrowed into our long shots. But um, <clears throat> I think just the opportunity of playing some inform golfers to me and inform is, is short for Catlin. It's a little bit longer for Schwan. Um, but that those at least stuck out from the odds range. Um, where yeah. are you going next? Uh, yeah. So for me, I, I kind of went a little bit further down. I did initially consider uh, Callum Shinkwin just because he was second here uh, in a challenge tour event. I think it was like 2014. And that that was kind of the problem for me, right? Is that it's been that long. Um, but Sebastian Soderberg was the next person for me. And he was, you know, I think he was 100 to 1. Uh, sort of shortened a little bit uh, our side of the pond. But I opened up tour tips this morning and, and looked and there was some sort of course one to go by and it was the Nordic Golf League stuff, right? And, mm, and you know, yes. you mentioned that at times. And and I was a little bit wary because the one he won was called the Lumen Hills Open and the one he came fourth in was the Lumen Lakes. And I wonder if they were just both on individual courses, but I think they can dive that they're both across both courses. I'm not entirely sure on that, but there's enough form there, right, to, to suggest that he can play this golf course well. And I actually think he's playing... Uh, a little bit better than he, you know, has been given credit for. He's 16th, 47th, and 10th uh, in three of his last four starts. And at the Stein City, he was fourth going into the final round. Uh, when he was 47th, he was, you know, inside the top 30 after 54. And when he was 16th, he was inside the top 10 for two rounds as well. So, uh, and that was in the international series in Thailand. So he's playing. He's sort of been quite transferable. His form. Um, of late as well. So I, I do like what uh, Soderbergh's doing. And I do think that when it becomes a little bit easier uh, and it becomes a little bit more of a pitch and putt, maybe that is kind of great for Soderbergh. Yeah. Um, just getting him a triple digits feels like he ends up getting in the mix a little bit more than the odds respect. I almost kind of Lem- Lemke does a little bit or did a little bit in the past. Too, and I kind of pair those guys um, with it. I'm, I'm going to back up before we go real deep into to the long shots. My next two um, are, are sub hundred to one. Um, I would almost feel, I mean, you mentioned the Nordic Golf League. I mean, it's kind of a natural transition to, to where we got our first kind of um, flash of form out of Marcus Kinholt, you know, and we've now been backing him for both of those events. Both of those events, I mean, he had a very, very strong shot to um, to win, honestly, both of them. I mean, he he misses a place by a stroke when Ashen Wu wins November 18th hole. Um, he had found that tree root next time out. And that Sunday was wacky in Qatar. It was definitely everyone came back to the field. Good on uh, Ferguson to, to be able to win that and, and birdie close to have that Chase Hannah in the mix there again. Um, but, you know, Ken Holt really had a chance. I mean, at some, at some point, you know, he was in there at places with ease. So overall, I think back-to-back events of that after showing life in the Nordic golf form, that, that's enough for me to keep going back to the well. Like Catlin, we know the talents there. We see some form leading in. 
regardless of how this course is going to be playing out. I, I like Ken Holt's skill set and the way he looks right now. So that was the next one for me um, at 60. Do you have anything uh, at Ken or 66? He's available still um, here. Do you have anything else on, on Ken Holt? Oh, I, I just agree with what you're saying. You know, ultimately, I think he's a better player than uh, these odds suggest. I think these odds sort of suggest that he's kind of in the same foot. There's a couple of names in here that I didn't even really um, know too well. And, and maybe you could um, enlighten me. There's a guy that played some sort of Japanese tour event. I think he's gone out in the odds now, but he was there as well. I can't even find his name now. So maybe we won't go into that one. But he was he was there for a little while. And, and I was surprised that he was amongst those, right? I thought that it was a little bit harsh. Um, and then the other name that you're going to come on to in a minute as well, I really like because... He's the ultimate kind of current form versus do you know how well he's going to play in this part of the world? Like he's he's coming he's coming out of his comfort zone now uh, into a place where he's going to have to be good for the next six months. Um, and we're really going to see what kind of uh, level he's got to. Yeah, the one golfer you mentioned, uh, Rio Hasatusun, H-I-S-A-T-S-U-N-E is that last name. He was a three-time winner last year uh, on the Asian Tour, uh, or I guess it wasn't the Asian Tour. I think it's a feeder to the Japan Tour, the Abema, um, is that he had three wins there. So, But he's only got one top, I guess two top tens on the Japan Tour to close out last year, but hasn't had much form into this year. I am excited for that. I mean, if they're going to start mixing these events with the Asian Tour and the Japan Golf Tour, like, that will bring some life to this, man. You know, I know we have the Scottish Open collaboration happening, which will be great, but, um, you know, we, we really need some spice in that. So, um, but the next golfer, yeah, yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with kind of the lead in form of, of what uh, one of our all time classic original picks it might have been on like the first show we ever did together i think you were going to dress up as henny duplessis um he's he's uh back on our cards this week he is i think 80 to one um i think he was even longer earlier this morning but henny comes in ripping up for him second um in the limpopo uh which was early april so it's the last challenge tour event that happened has not missed a cut all year long had a 10th inside the Joburg, which I guess was November, you know, a 20th and eighth, sixth uh, at the, my golf life, you know, so he, he has shown it. And at, at this range, my card kind of shifts into feeding into a little bit of the longer hitters. And he does um, actually have a decent driver in his bag. Um, it seems like from kind of his overall weighted driving distance statistics. So you kind of get that Nick. And then you also have arguably of the guys down here, um, probably the best form, you know, of, of anybody down here. So um, it's a lot. And I like to play for places in, in this situation, in this type of field. So I think Henny definitely has a shot to get in the mix again. Yeah, and Henny is, is probably in the top 10% of current form right now. And it, and it looks, uh, it's actually better than it looks because he gets kind of, his adjusted score gets affected because it's, you know, a lot of South African stuff, right? And my concern with Diplicy is it's been heavily reliant on playing at home. Uh, which is why I didn't go there. But then when I was just looking back kind of while you were talking there, he played in the the Challenge Costa Brava in October where Hillier won. And and just some of the names that are in the top five there, Hella Kilda, who's obviously someone that people will be looking at this week, LaCroix, Chase Hanna, Yannick Paul, you know, Schneider, Manacero, people that we've brought up all season long. Um, and, he, and he fit right in there. So I think that while he's in the form that he's in, um, I think if you actually look back at what he's done as a collective over the past 12 months even, um, he's, he's probably a much improved golf than what we've seen in 15th in Portugal uh, the big green egg he was fourth uh, which actually had Lucas Nemeth uh, Garcia Heredia there's four top four uh, four top 
four Spanish players in the top five in that field as well. Um, so maybe that's a kind of sign of things to look for as well. So um, Henny Duplessis is certainly an interesting one. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I'm ready to wake up for first round leader Henny right in the mix. He's classic on Thursdays. Um, So, okay, so we've gotten through four bind. We're getting into a little bit deeper here. Uh, Have a couple more golfers that will walk through um, that. I think we can make an argument at, at triple digits. So who's the last one? I guess you're officially on, right? Yes, yeah, so the last one for me was Nino Batazio. Uh, I just, I just think he's kind of coming back into form now. Twenty fifth and twenty first over his last two starts, and again, a little bit concerned that maybe that goes away because we've had that kind of break, and and that is a concern. But I think he's a player a little bit like uh, Matthew Pavon, um, where he has this kind of upside that we've we've sort of seen flashes of in the past, but haven't kind of got um, for for a period of time. I think he's got a good driver in the bag. He kind of averages three twenty off the tee. Um, you know, he was 21st in Qatar. I can't remember exactly where he was positioned uh, going into the final round. He shot a pair of 71s over the weekend, which based on the scoring there uh, was pretty good. And he was 30th in the Dubai Classic, which was a decent result. But going back to Portugal, which Charlie had mentioned might be, uh, you know, a potential correlated form. He was he was fifth there last year. Uh, he's been fourth at the Scottish Open, 14th at Wentworth. Like he's, he's had some really good finishes um, in better company than this. So I think Batazio, while he's hitting the ball quite nicely, uh, was someone that I was interested in as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the the flash of the irons in that game um, feels like once, uh, you know, like four or five events is like leader in strokes gained approach. So I, I think that's um, very interesting. Uh, I'm going to go uh, next one here for me. I would rival with the longest golfers in the field. Um, Wilco is a clear one. And, and I debated Wilco here. And we, we talked sternly probably the last time we mentioned Wilco on this after he missed the cut. Um, I don't even remember. It was the second Rasa Kaima event. Was that the one? Or it was uh, one he was where. In South it was, was in one of the first South African ones. And he was like five or seven under or something on the first day and somehow missed yes. the cut, which was devastating. My golf life. Yep. That that's what it. it was. So yeah. then basically write him off. And then he goes 10th. And then he goes 12th, the next two events. And I'm like, okay, like what is going on here? Maybe he's rounding into something. Maybe this could be some, some type of event when, when Charlie goes bomber at this time. Of course, I'm like, oh, great. We'll go, we'll go. It's like 55, 60 to one. And you probably don't have to think too much. It probably helps Wilco and Nine Ava because I think anything that involves any sort of strategy is probably taking it out of his hands. So anywhere that he can kind of just hit the ball, find it and hit it again is probably good for Wilco and Nine Ava. And the thing that tripped me up was he plays the last Challenge Tour event. And I think you could seriously say, it was potentially one of the worst events he's played in his career. What's what's interesting too. So if you like go through his form on data golf, it's, it might, it might just be like this event. He has two events in the last like three or four years that he has lost to, to their adjustment, like six strokes to like the average field. He, he lost seven strokes at this one. And then the year before that, he lost like nine strokes at this tournament. So maybe it's the worst course in the world for him, but um, it's just enough to be like, he's just so high variance that uh, I'm going to go to the next longest hitter in the field. It's a long Wilco span, but I think Nicholas Norgard Muller is probably decently there with him um, in driving distance. And um, I wouldn't necessarily say consistent but for 125 to one 
Um, you know, he has not missed a cut in 2022, and he ha- basically has not missed a cut since August of last year. If you remember, he um, in his, I believe it was his debut, um, I guess the only only European tour event that he played in 21, he finished eighth at that made in Himmerlin, uh, where he kind of got you know, into the mix a little bit on Sunday. Um, you know, he didn't hit his irons well there, but he is just very, very long. If we play that, you know, decent form, hasn't missed a cut upside with the driver if it plays into his hands. I think there's a, a good amount there in that place value. Yeah, and he shot a final round 79, I think, in Qatar when it was really tough weather, but was actually eighth, I think, after 54 holes last time out. So he's, he's been playing... But probably a little bit of hidden form in his current form, Nicholas Norgard Miller. Just like you say, five you know made cuts, all of them this season on the DP World Tour. Um, been high up at you know multiple times, uh, you know on occasion, not and not converting, which was tough. And that's kind of what led me to to not finally put him in in the end. But um, he's certainly worthy of consideration. Like you know anyone that's actually making the weekend, especially at these kind of really high variance events. I mean, even the first Brazil Kymer, he was uh, finished 64th, but he was 14th uh, after 54 holes. Then he finished 42nd, where he wasn't you know great all week. Uh, 51st at the Kenya Open, he was 24th after 54 holes. Uh, he was 21st at Stein City, where he was 7th after 36. And then, like I said, he was 7th going into not even 8th. He was 7th going into uh, the final round of Qatar. And shot that 79, which I don't really, uh, you know, hold against him because it was so windy. He's a, you know, big hitter and that doesn't always play very well in that kind of weather. So, um, yeah, I, I think there's definitely some merit to Norgard Miller. And, and I would kind of put some put something behind your pick, at least, without actually going himself. Here we go. I'm feeling confident as we're closing out, Tom. I'm feeling good. I know we opened with a little trepidation, but, you know, <laughs> that's maybe, just, maybe you know, this that's is just my, you know, that's just my British. That's just my British, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, we're just, just misery, basically. Uh, you know, I, I just kind of pessimism is the word I'm looking for. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I think it's good. Like, I think there's some there's some names down here, right? Before you come on to your kind of uh, final pick, there's some names that I kind of looked at. Chase Haney, you've already mentioned, was playing well. Lucas Nemeth has been playing well. Um, I thought he was interesting. Paul Waring hits it a very long way. Uh, doesn't do a lot else these days, which kind of concerns me. Sean Crocker is getting into some big prices now. I, I don't know what's happening with him, but, you know, he's in some big prices. And Yannick Paul was someone I thought might have uh, slipped onto your uh, betting card. Yeah, I mean, he was close. Um, if you just go on the what should play well here, it feels like it, it should be him for sure. Um, but you, you hit the last guy on my betting card there, and it's, it's Lucas Nemix. You know, he is somebody that I think does have similar to, to Moeller, like a lot of 18 hole flashes only, I think one time hitting the board um, for us uh, or not. We, we weren't on him that week, but he finished second um, at the first Ross Alkaima event um, with dueling 66s on Friday and Sunday. Um, and then he came out okay when we were, I was on him the, the next week, but you, you should see, I, I just love what tour tips does from the, the, the stat form. It's just so easy to see somebody with like flashes here, here, here. And it looks like they are grading this course a little bit related to driving distance because he, he does pop more than most, but they have him ranked as when he played that specific event, his statistics lined up as the second best fit for this course 
three times in the last, uh, you know, like eight events for him. So I just think there's enough there at 150 to one It sprinkles, you know, we can, we can throw on there um, and hopefully get him into the mix with a, with a top five DraftKings value um, there. But I, to your point, I mean, he, he seems it's more of one of the obvious ones from this longer range. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a, a really long range guy that I, I do not want, I don't want to advocate people put them in like really high, uh, you know, What's the word I'm looking for? Stakes. High confidence, yeah. High stakes, okay. high confidence, uh, anything. But if it does come up on DraftKings, the, the scoring's not out, right? I don't know if they're doing a tournament this week. But Benjamin Polk won Q School by six shots here. And he was the only player, I think, ever to shoot all six rounds under 70. And he did it at this golf course. He then also played it um, on the Nordic Golf League, I think, and maybe on the Challenge Tour as well. So he's been here probably more times than you'd want to but he was fourth uh before on the nordic golf league and he was 21st as well so uh benjamin pope someone that kind of flashes i think we've mentioned him a couple of times actually on the show which is really strange how he ever gets in the air time but um you know he's 600 to one i think he is so if you if you really want to have some uh some coffee money on some long shot benjamin pope has one here by six shots before yeah uh that's interesting i, I didn't put the two and two together that it was at lumine um, like it was. Cause I mean, I th- if you look at that leader, what I believe Rasmus was up there, um, Lori Cantor was, which points to a little bit of, of distance there as we're looking through things. Ron um, Kim shot an eight under round, uh, on this golf it. course in Q school. So, yeah. I mean, just, just, you know, I'll remember things as we go along, right. You know, this, this just not, let's not remember these things off the top of the show. Let's, let's bring them in at the end. Um, yeah. yeah, but Benjamin Polk, six shot, uh, victory over some names at the time, you know, Gregory Havre. Oh, wait, it was, it was Nikolai. It was Nikolai, not Rasmus here. I'm looking under. at it again. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm just pulling this up as we go again. Yeah. Schwan was in the mix. Uh, Toby Tree, your friend. Um, yes. Yeah. I, I, I remember that dominating performance out of Q school. Yeah. And he doesn't have like, well, I guess he's only been playing on the challenge store poke. Um, but yeah, it's been a little bit since we've seen life out of him. Um, so yeah, I like that kind of connection there. There's a couple um, Spanish um, golfers that got into the field this week that hit it forever. Absolute bombers um, that I, again, I'm not like T20 and I, I just, they'll probably be close to min price here, but Alejandro Del Rey, there was stretch where we were getting on him last week. Uh, out of Arizona State University, one of the best par five scorers in collegiate golf, 59, I believe, on the challenge tour last year. Um, so he's got the game. I think Edward Roussad, um, who hasn't really put it together um, for much stretch at all. He almost won the challenge tour last year. He was in the mix 54 holes uh, in Cannery Islands. I think it was the week that Higo won or maybe the week that Burmeester won. Um, but Roussad hits it a mile. Very young kid, was the number two amateur golfer in the world at one point. Both of those two, I, I'm excited to see. I'm getting there. I was a little disappointed and, and didn't understand exactly the, the invites that the, the Japanese golf tour got because outside of Rio, um, the, that first one we mentioned earlier, the, the other golfers are like 800 plus to one. So it's a little curious on how some of these invites worked. Yeah, I had no idea. It's, it's, it's a wonderful uh, working to the DP World Tour at the moment. But it's interesting you mentioned those two Spanish golfers because I don't know if you've hacked my Twitter account or, but there was a, there was a conversation between the three of us that did a Lost of Words podcast, which we haven't recorded yet, by the way, who uh, both of them mentioned, uh, Jason mentioned Alejandro Del Rey for first round leader and Brad mentioned uh, Roussard as well. So definitely from that angle, uh, first round leaders are the the kind of way to go, I think, with those Spanish guys. Um 
it's a tough event, right? There's no getting away from it. There's it's tough to be massively confident. But I think we've got the formula now, although it kind of contradicts itself a little bit. But I think the idea is it's going to be relatively easy unless it gets windy. Um, you know, the, the shorter guys are going to come on as long as they can score on the par fives, which the firm and fastness uh, nature of it will uh, which will point to as well. So I think it's good. I think there's some good stuff there. Um, I think it's going to, the next week could be a more interesting event, uh, but this might be a good warm up for it. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's go warm it up with a win, Tom. Huh? Let's, let's yes, do sir. this thing That's right here. That's the way here. you want to do uh, it. What's your uh, betting card? Review it one more time before we close up. Yeah, so we've got Nikolai Hoygaard and Adri Arnaus at the top at 25 and 28 to 1. Sebastian Soderberg and uh, Nico Batazio at 100 to 1. Um, I could be talked into Nikolai Muller, uh, Muller as well. So, um, yeah, I think I will go with him as well. So I'm going to tail you there and put my faith in you, Sky. All right. I love it. Um, for me, John Catlin, 55 to 1. Schwan Kim, 60. Marcus Kinholt, 66. Henny Duplessis, 80 to 1. Nicholas Norgard Moller, 125 to 1. Lucas Nemix at 150 to 1. And, and that'll put a bow on our first show back. It is good to be back, man. It's, you know, it's, it's tough in the rockiness of getting into a rhythm a little bit, but I'm excited. We got a good stretch ahead of us, and we're uh, going to find our form as well as some of our favorite golfers. So, best of luck to everybody, and we'll see you next week.